All right. Well, good morning. How are we doing? Good. Okay. Well, you heard pastor says that you have to uh, laugh at all my jokes. So don't forget, even when they're corny, I was telling the, the last service that, um, you know, I'm a dad now. I got to get everything situated. I'm kind of OCD. Uh, sorry. I'm a dad now. And so, you know, I try to not have all these corny jokes, but I don't feel like they've come around yet. But Pastor, J- Pastor Chaz, they're, they're, here to, they're here and they're here to stay. I mean, they're not going anywhere. He's got some corny dad jokes, but we love them, right? We love them. You got to cheer for his jokes too, but I appreciate that if you'll cheer for all of mine. Well, this morning, I just want to start off just as this is my first time to speak saying thank you guys for the opportunity to allow Megan and I to come and just to minister to your students. We have loved it here so far. This has been such an incredible church for us to be a part of, and we just feel so blessed and lucky. This is, I mean, the church is doing amazing things and has grown so much, and I really feel like this has got to be one of the best places to be on Sunday morning. I mean, honestly, and I'm not, and I'm not saying. That, that LifeGate is the best church out there, but I'm just saying that God has a special grace on this church and that he's doing some cool things, and so we're so excited to be here. Well, this morning, we're going to continue with our Moral of the Story series, and so um, I let Pastor Chad have first dibs on all of the parables that he wanted, and so I took some of the leftovers, but luckily, there's like a thousand parables in the Bible, easy to, easy to choose from, and so this morning, we're talking about building a good foundation, building our house on a rock, and we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse um, starting in verse 21. So if you have your Bible with you, you can use that. Or if you have your phone, um, you can use the app on there or even the LifeGate app. I'd encourage you to use that. That's a great tool um, to be using on Sunday mornings. And so we're going to start off by reading the first part of this passage, and then we'll go down through the rest of it. Some of it we'll read quickly, and then others we'll spend um, a little bit more time on. So let's just start off. Verse 21, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. That's a really tough passage to swallow. And I've read that passage several times, you know, through my life. And and every time I begin to question myself, I begin to question myself as a Christian, whether or not I really know Christ. And and there's nothing there's nothing more scary to me than going into heaven and, and, and the Lord saying, you know, I don't I don't really know who you are. I don't know who you are. I don't recognize you. I mean, it's like people who, who talk about someone that they know. Does anybody know a name dropper? So it's people that they just like to drop names. And don't you just want to punch them? You're just like, don't act like you know. You know, and so, but there's, there's people that they try to drop names. And, and they don't really know who they are. If they were to bump into this person on the street, you know, they would say, I don't know who you are. Get away from me, you evildoer. You know, it's like, you know, I don't, they don't know who they are, but they try to pretend they do. They try to pretend that they know someone. It's the same thing. Sometimes there will be people who proclaim to know Christ but don't really follow him. And so that's what's so scary about this passage is that there's a chance that there will be people who go into heaven and the Lord will say, I don't know you. And we read all these passages about the Lord being our father and how awkward is it if you get to heaven and your own father doesn't recognize you. I mean, I mean, really, I, I can think of a time where my dad didn't recognize me, and it was really scary. He thought I was breaking into the house, but I just got home late, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so I don't, I don't want the same thing to happen again with the Lord. 
I don't want him to, to not recognize me. I want to be able to walk through the gates of heaven and him be like, there he is. That's who I've been waiting on. There's my son. And I know him well. That to me just, it gives me such a peace in my mind to be able to know, okay, I have a relationship with Christ that is real. And I don't just proclaim to know him, but I really do know Christ. And my greatest hope is that when I get there, he'll know me as well. So this morning, we're going to go through the rest of this passage here, starting in verse 24. It says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes and turns and, and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand, when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. And I love what this little ending part it says. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law. I mean, that just shows just what the air that he had about him, that he taught with authority, saying, this is the truth. And so we're going to talk, start off about the sand, the sand part in this scripture. Our first point here is sand was never meant to withstand anything. Sand was never meant to withstand anything. And in that passage there, but anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand when the rain, the rain and the floods come and beat against the house. It will collapse with a mighty crash. So many times we want to place our foundation in the sand because it's easy. We want to place who we are on something that's easy and it's not, it's not hard to dig up. It's not hard to have that kind of a foundation. You know, and the farmers and, and people who deal with irrigation and, and erosion and things like that, they like sand because it's easy, because it's easy to use, it's easy to manipulate. And then, like, for farmers, us kind of coming from a farming community, part of the reason that they like that is because, you know, the water just kind of passes through, and it's easy to uproot the plants that are there at the end of the season. I read this article, and it was talking about the importance of sand and all this, and it says the reason that they like the sand is because sand is already broken down to a point where it can't be broken anymore. And so often, we want to place our hope and our foundation on these things that are already broken. And I don't know about you, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want my foundation to be placed in something that's already broken. I mean, you're not going to go and build a house on a land that you know is going to shift out from underneath you, or you're not going to buy a house that's already broken, or buy something off the shelf that's already broken. You want something that's solid, Something that's all there, it's in one piece, and you know it's going to last. You know, it's like we watch, I watch Fixer Upper a lot, you know, because it's fun. Uh, and Chip is such a doofus. And so, but anyway, I feel like a doofus because I just said doofus. But anyway, uh, but that is, I don't know how else to describe him. But anyway, I mean, they, they see these people on all these home shows, you know, they come through, and they're like, there's some foundation issues that I don't think I can build there. You know, and so they don't. They don't do it. They see those foundation issues and they like run as hard away as they can. They have to get away from that. And so many times we want to place our roots in something that just can't hold us. The same thing with the plants. They come right up out of the ground when they're mixed with the dirt and the soil and the sand. When it's all mixed together, the plants, they just come right up. And I don't want to be a person that is easily uprooted from my faith. I want it to be planted in something that is solid as a rock. 
You know, I grew up going to the beach every summer. My grandparents, way back in the day when property was cheap, they bought some property down on the beach. And then afterwards, as they got to where they could afford it, they, where they started camping on it at first. And then they got to where they could pour the foundation and get the, get the stilts in. And then they were able to build the house. And so after all these years, they finally were able to build a house. And so I used to see all these beach houses go by, and I'm like, Lord, that analogy doesn't really work because there's lots of people that have built their house on the sand, and they're still standing just fine, you know? And I never really understood. I'm like, maybe he just didn't have the foresight to see what we could do in the future, you know, type of a thing. You know, he just didn't know what we could do. But, you know, as I began to think about it, there may be sand all around them, and life may be good all around those houses. And in our life, there may be what we want to call sand, easy ground all around us. And that's okay. But the thing about those stilts and those piers, they go way, way, way down deep. And they're still anchored with concrete and cement. Something that is rock hard. Something that is rock solid. So around you, life can be good and that's fine. You don't have to feel guilty for that. Life can be good around you, but as long as your foundation is set in stone, that is what's important. We can't allow everything just around us to be sand because it will be pulled right up. I don't want to be built on anything that is broken. And so many times we want to do that and we find ourselves hurt and we find ourselves frustrated because we've placed our hope and we've placed our foundation on our spouse or our career or our talents and abilities or sometimes even on our kids. We place everything on that and then when they don't make it, when they break and they let us down, we're like, why? I don't, I don't understand. I've done everything I can. I've poured everything I have into my kids and into my family and into my career and into my talents and abilities. And it has still fallen apart. It has still let me down. We can't place God-sized expectations on something or someone that is not a God. You just can't do it. And so many times that's what we try to do. We try to place these expectations on something to hold us when all it is is broken, just like you and me. You don't want anybody to place those kind of hopes on I mean, I don't want anybody to place those kind of hopes on me. I, don't, I know I can't do it. I know I don't have the ability to hold somebody up and to, and to keep them you know, solid for the rest of their life. I am not the foundation. Pastor Chad is not the foundation. It is you directly to your relationship with God. That's what it's all about. So the next point of this is we know that we have to be able to have a solid foundation to it. But the part of it is is that we have to listen. We have to listen to the Bible and understand what it's saying. But we can't just listen. We have to do afterwards. And so the next part of the scripture there, it says, you know, it says in verse 24, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Listen to the teaching and then follows it. So our second point this morning, building a solid foundation takes work. It takes work. We have to work at it. We can't just listen to it and then move on. We have to listen and hear what's going on and then follow what God is trying to get us to do. In James, he kind of parallels this. He says in James 1.22, But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. Now there are some people that we have all seen from time to time in public. And we're like, they probably just glanced at the mirror this morning. You know? <laughs> you know? Like, mm, 
they didn't look real hard because they got something is going on, you know, something is messed up, you know, they weren't really paying attention. My wife does this to me real subtly, though. She'll say this right here. She'll say, Colton, did you wear a hat today? I'm like, it's like if my hair looks bad, I'm like, yes, I wore a hat, whatever, it's fine, my hair's fine, okay, you know, don't talk about it. But sometimes we just glance in the mirror and then we move on. But, I mean, we wouldn't do that in real life. We want us to make sure we know what we look like. And sometimes we do get out in public and we're like, I probably should have looked at what I had on, you know, before, before I went out into public. Typically, it's the people at Walmart. And so, but you have, to, you have to pay attention to those things. You have to look in the mirror, recognize what you look like, and then remember that. Make sure, okay, everything is here. Same way with the word. You have to read what the Word says and do what the Word says. If we just read the Word, then we've just turned it into another awesome book. That's all we've done. It's nothing better than like Lord of the Rings, except it's true. Except Lord of the Rings would be pretty cool if it was true. But, <laughs> but it's not. It's not. All we've done is we've just turned it into another one bestseller, another one help yourself, how to get better at life, how to fix yourself, how to do this, how to do that. That's all we've turned it into. If we don't listen to the Word of God... And then do what it says. We've missed the whole purpose. We've missed everything behind it. But so often we don't do what it says because we're afraid of something. We're afraid of the word called obey. We're afraid of obeying what God has to say. We're afraid, we're afraid of listening to that because so many times God asks us to do things that are way beyond our ability. Way beyond our talents and our abilities. And, and growing up I used to have you know, people tell me God will never give you too much. I'm like, you are a liar. <laughs> he gives me too much every time. Every single time he gives me too much. I mean, that is a lie from the pit of hell, you know? That is not true. But the thing about that is, is that we can, we can take that and we can hear that and, and then we can know, honestly, okay, God is going to give us too much. He is going to give us too much. The thing about that is, is that I know it sounds weird, but we should be comforted. And the same thing at the beginning of, of James, it talks about, you know, rejoice in times of trials because that means that God is building you up. Rejoice in those moments when God's asking you to do something and you know that you can't do it on your own because that means that you won't be on your own. That means that you're not going to be by yourself. That means that He is going to be there to help you, that He is going to be your support. He is going to be right there beside you. I know so many times I've tried to do stuff on my own and I can't do it. I mess it up every single time. Every time I try to do something on my own, I mess it up. We just can't do it. We weren't built to do it on our own. We have to have a foundation. It's just like I was building a bookcase one time, and uh, it was just like this cheap little bookcase. But I hate building stuff like that. It's like one of these IKEA things, you know, that there's like all these directions. You try to do it just right, and you're trying to fix it and get it all put together. And it was pretty simple. And I get really frustrated at that kind of stuff. Megan hates it when I work on that kind of stuff because I get really annoyed. I get really annoyed really quick because patience is already an issue. And so now I'm also trying to put this together in like a timely, you know, amount of like period of time and I just can't do it so Megan she sees me getting frustrated and and she's like well can I help you and I'm like I do the manly thing I'm like get away woman you know (laughs) I got this you know this is mine I'm gonna take it on this is all about me and this bookshelf and it's not put together I'm gonna chop it up and burn it you know (laughs) like one way or another it will serve a purpose it will serve a purpose 
And so I just, I'm like, you know what, you know, I got this, you know, which I, you know, it's obviously that is wrong, guys, in case you didn't pick up on all the sarcasm. And so I, I put it together, you know, and I stand back and I look at this bookcase and I'm talking, this is simple. I spent like 45 bucks at Walmart on this thing. It is two sides, three shelves, a top and a bottom. I mean, that is it. That is all it is. And so I step back and I look at it and I'm like, hmm. And the top like part, I had put it on backwards and my error was just staring at me in the face because it was just so cheap that they didn't make it black all the way around. So it was just raw wood showing, I mean, through there, that like particle board that you can see right there at the top. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, awesome, isn't that just great? Isn't that just stupendous? You know, I was so frustrated, but I tried to do it my own. I said, I got this. I can do it. I can put it together. And even the simplest task, I screwed up. I couldn't even do the easiest thing. It is a bookshelf. It is not something huge. It's not like I'm trying to put together a sculpture. It is just a bookshelf. That is it. And we try to do it on our own. We try to do life on our own, and we mess it up every single time. We have to be dependent on God. And so next time he wants you to be obedient, make it easy on yourself and just do it because you know he's going to be there for you. I read an article that, that my friend wrote here recently, and, and he was talking about obedience, and, and I'm trying to make sure I remember it correctly, but he was saying, basically, there's no one in the Bible that was obedient to Christ and his word that didn't face opposition. I mean, it is so true. As in, I'm going through there, and I'm trying to read all these stories. Okay, who do I want to model my life after? I mean, other than Jesus, obviously. But, like, there's all these stories in there. Okay, who can I, who can I mimic? Who can I be like? Who can I make sure, you know, that, that I'm, I'm emulating that, that same thing? And, and so I'm reading through this, and every time I'm like, well, they screwed up, and they screwed up, and they screwed up, and they screwed up. And the difference was, at the end, that God was with them. But there was obedience And so what we have to realize is that obedience ultimately will trigger opposition. Obedience triggers opposition every single time. But again, if we comfort ourselves to know that Christ is with us, that should make it easy. That should make it comforting. A peace that no one else can give us. Anybody can come alongside you and say, hey, I'm going to be right there for you. Hey, I'm going to help you through this. And it's not going to feel as good as knowing that Christ is right there with you. That he's going to be the one that equips you. And so we do all this work. We have to do it. You can't just listen and then not follow what the word is saying. It's just like if somebody asks you to do something at work and you hear them and then you just don't do it. It's not going to turn out well. We have to follow what is next. And so a lot of times we try to do all this work and we try to work and work and work and work. And we replace work with a genuine relationship with God. We replace the work with actually serving him for a reason and on a purpose. And so if we look at our third point here, it says building a solid foundation takes the right motives. Building a solid foundation takes the right motives. We have to do all of this for the right reason. We can come together and we can come to church and that's great. You can serve and you can volunteer and that's awesome. You can do you know, a Bible study in your home and that's great. That at the end of the night, at the end of the day, after you leave church, after you volunteer, when you reflect on that, what is your initial response? Is it, man, it felt good to volunteer today. Man, it was good to be able to to make me feel good about what I did. God, now that I did all that good stuff, I just hope that, that I get blessed. God, now that I tithe today, Lord, just bless me because I tithed. 
That just doesn't work. We have to have the right motive, the right heart behind it. To serve Him unrelentingly, but to go after Him with the right motives and the right heart. To not be afraid to do it and not expect anything in return. That's what this is all about, is serving a God that we already don't deserve to have a relationship with in the first place because we screwed up a long time ago. But He sent His Son on this earth to die on the cross for our sins so that we could go to heaven even though we don't deserve to. We have to have the right motives. Why do you serve? Why do you chase after God? Is it to make you feel good about what you're doing? Or is it to serve God because He deserves it? He deserves to have people who worship Him because He has already provided so much for us on a daily basis. But we just get caught up. We want to get paid back. We want God to to fix it. I can think about a time, I didn't tell the story first service, I ran out of time, but I can think about a time, you know, where I wanted something back. I wanted something back from God. And I had a, I had a, a really rough, like, financial moment, you know, I had like zero money and some, some crazy stuff had happened, and, but I hadn't tithed yet. I had yet to tithe, and I was trying to be really good at tithing because I did the whole not tithe thing work like in the past, and it didn't work, and, and it wasn't helping me, and so I was trying to be diligent with my tithe, but I just had, I had like zero dollars, okay? Every, every dime that I had was basically already, like I had to pay stuff. I had the bills to pay and all of that. And so I know I need to tithe, and I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm always hearing about people getting random checks in the mail, <laughs> You know, and I'm not one of those pastors. You know, I'm not like, oh, you're going to get a random check in the mail today if you tithe. You know, I just, I'm just not one of those sensationalist pastors. I believe that we are to serve God diligently, and He gives us what we need when we need it. And so I'm there at the mailbox, though, you know, and I'm like, God, you know, I'm like (laughs) getting like the Holy Spirit moving, you know. I'm like, I'm needing, I am needing one of those random checks in the mail. So here's the deal. If you put a random check in the mail, I'll tithe. I was dead serious, too. I was dead serious. I'm like, you ain't getting a dime out of my paycheck if there's not a check in that mail. And so I open up the mailbox, and I'm rummaging through everything, and I am not joking. There was an envelope with a check. I I could done tell. There was a check inside. And so I opened that thing up, and I was so excited. I could tell it was a check, and I opened it up, and it was from Walgreens, and we had overpaid on a prescription. And so they were refunding us back 54 cents. (laughs) Hmm. Man, oh, man. You talk about mad. Oh, I was so mad. I was so mad. I was like, God, I tried to strike a deal with you, and I told you I would hang, I would do my part. I would do my part, and you were supposed to provide first. I was going to tithe, and then there was a blessing. That's how it all works, right? And we only get blessed back with more money. Isn't that what we think? We always think, God, if I tithe more, then I'm going to make more money, but sometimes it just looks different. Those blessings look different. Sometimes I'm glad I didn't get money because sometimes I waste it. I think that's true for all of us. Tax refund season comes in and we're like, woo, you know, I'm rich and I'm poor tomorrow, you know. 
But I tried to strike a deal. I was saying, God, you know what? I want to give. I want to serve. But I can't. I can't give and I can't serve unless you bless me. And then I'll do it. But I have to know I'm going to get something in return. So I tried to strike a deal and I lost. I lost. But I told him, I said, put a check in the mail. I didn't say for this amount. <laughs> Which in, for future reference, if you try, be real specific if you're going <laughs> to if you're going to like strike a deal with the Lord. So I did. I tithed. And I just said, "All right. There's my tithe and God, I just need you to provide now. I need I need something because that 54 cents is not going to is not going to hold me over. I need some help." So I prayed as I tithed and I said, "God, use this, you know, to help somebody, to help the church and and I just watch over me and my family and and you know what? I didn't miss a meal. I paid every bill on time. And I can't sit here and say a check did come or somebody did come up and say, hey, you know what? I didn't get like the Pentecostal handshake with a wad of bills, you know, or anything like that. You know, it was just like I just know that I made it. I just know that I made it. And sometimes that's all it is. We just need to know that we made it and God is the one that allowed us to make it. We got to serve on purpose for a purpose. It can't be any different. We have to have a pure heart if we're going to work. Because there's nothing worse than you asking somebody for a favor and they're like, oh, fine. You know, I'm going to do this, but just remember, you know, they're like godfathering it on you. Like, just remember, in the future, you're going to owe me. You're going to owe me back on this. Serve without expectations and let God blow them away when he does. So if we look at this, the moral of our story today, the stronger your foundation, the higher you can build. The stronger your foundation is, the higher you can go. And the deeper you plant your roots, the higher you can go. If we look at skyscrapers, there's no reason that they should be that skinny and that tall. But it's because how deep they go, how far down they go below the ground, and it's not glamorous and it's not pretty and it takes a lot of work but because they are willing to do all the work ahead of time, because they are willing to bury those roots deep down, they were able to build as high as they wanted to go. Same thing in our relationship with God. If you want to be successful, if you want God to bless you, if you want, if you want amazing things in your life, and I'm not just talking about things, I'm talking about God doing great things through you, then we have to have a strong foundation and to bury our roots just as deep as we can go. Don't be afraid to do that. Because what happens is we find easy ground. We find something easy to place our roots in. And we try to spread out real good. All into that sand. And you're still easy to pull up. No matter how deep you are. It just comes right back up. And you're doing your very best just to hold your whole life together. Because you're just doing it by yourself. Don't do it alone. Allow God in. Allow Him to help you. And then when He begins to do great things in your life, you start to serve Him. Serve Him without expectations. Serve because you want to see somebody lost get found. Serve because you want to see His kingdom grow. And you want to change the world around you. You, not might, you might not be able to change the whole state of Texas, but you might be able to change your family. And then what happens is, I believe... 
My dad was a pastor. He poured all of that into our, us as kids, and, and now I'm a pastor. My plan is to pour that into my kids and to keep on growing. And if you can just influence your family and watch the ripple effect, go. That's all you have to do. Not change the world, but influence one person and, and equip them to go and do the exact same thing. We can change the world. Tell people about Jesus and don't do it on your own. Have that solid foundation.